Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor, get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell them you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Look, I, every podcast, I want to provide the best experience possible. And I've got somebody that does that himself. If you go to Twitter, and you go to at Coach J Fry, F-R-Y, you're going to find a great experience. This guy, you want to talk about encouragement. This guy does it with his tweets, with things that he talks about. He's a performance coach. He's an author. He has the hashtag healthy leader, healthy coach. And again, I suggest you go there. And not only that, check out his website, CoachJFry.com. Coach, C-O-A-C-H-J, F-R-Y.com. But you can find him right here, right now, on the Intentional Encourager podcast, Jason Fry. Jason, what's good? How you doing? Hey, everything is good. It's 25 degrees and I'm inside, so obviously I'm doing a lot better than anybody who's outside right now. Well, yeah, as we record this, it's 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 about the same here in, in, in wild, wonderful West Virginia. That's why I've sweatered up this morning. And so, yeah. And, and by the way, I didn't tell you this before we started recording. My wife's maiden name is Fry, F-R-Y. So, yeah, there, there, there might be some, some distant. You might have some, as we say up here, kin in <laughs> West Virginia that you don't even know about. So, right. hey, let's start here this morning. As we, as we think about the last 21 months or so, and Jason, this is where I've gone with most people as I've done the podcast. It seems like that that we're still navigating through unusual times. So I, I want to take a different approach with you to this question. A couple of things that I want to I want to get this conversation rolling with this morning. Number one, what were some things that that you found out through the pandemic and and began to incorporate yourself that you'll take out of the pandemic? And how did you coach yourself? through what what you were dealing with with your family your community things like that because a lot of people rely on coaches in those moments but how did you coach yourself through getting through the last 21 months or so oh man hey you know what that's that's a really good two question series um you know what 
the number one thing for me on on getting through on how I got through obviously um, I had a great uh, <clears throat> I had a great group of men uh, who challenged me every week on Thursdays uh, so we got together we got online and we shared with one another and it was just an amazing experience and it was something that I really found that was that like when you get together and you start sharing and you start being vulnerable that's where things just really really explode from a growth standpoint from you as well as them. So there has to be that trust level. There has to be that ability to, I got to give and receive this honesty. And when I do, I just get better. I'm yeah. automatically a product of my environment. And so uh, I was fortunate. And so that was one of those things that it ended up, it was Thursday mornings. And so it took me into Thursday and Friday. And then it was one of those things that the more I got into it, then it took me into like, it gave me a great sense of who I was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then the more I do it, the more the power of that group really went with me and I could make it till basically Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I knew that the next day. So I was getting my fill with my mentors of, I mean, we're talking about um, coaches, preachers, wealth managers, um, everybody um, from a different background all came together in this group. Some of them retired, some of them were on the brink of it, some were, some were police officers. So it was an amazing experience within that. Um, how did I do that? I took that with me. Um, I launched My Healthy Leader actually during that time frame, And so it helped me become a better dad. And so your question on how did I navigate this uncertainty um, with my family it was something that I worked on our, our healthy leader program. I wanted to be a better dad and I wanted to practice those core fours um, as we got, you know, into this time frame of 2020 of COVID, all this stuff. So um, the breath work, the exercise, the reading and the reflection, those are our core yeah. fours. And it was because of that, that I was able to be a better beacon, so to speak, a, a light or a spark as I try to focus on uh, to my family. You said something really interesting there that I want to I want to to just pull a little more conversation out of. In coaching and and having been around coaches for the last seven eight years, my son played four years of high school basketball. The last two or three after he's graduated, I've still remained around the the high school program that he was involved in. What I've noticed about kids and coaches, and, and a lot of and, and you can take this to the college level, you can take this to the professional level. A lot of times it's hard for athletes to be honest with their coaches. Right? Because if if and we've seen this in in, in the NFL, in pro football, a lot of guys that if they have a head injury or a concussion, or they got their, their bell rung. And even we've seen some of, I saw kids playing, playing high school basketball that didn't want to come out of the game. And it was, you know, how, how do I manipulate these symptoms that I'm feeling well enough to convince somebody to let me stay in the game? You know, how do I not draw attention to myself? And, and, and Jason, I feel like with with the pandemic and things like that, I think a lot of people were saying, man, I've got a little cough, I've got a little sniffle or something like that. Or, hey, I don't want to be totally honest with how I'm feeling. You know, I may be feeling stressed. I may be feeling anxious. I may be feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what I want to do. And, and that honesty 
where in normal situations, they would be up front. I'm just not feeling it today. Maybe they kind of felt like, hey, if I am honest, how's that going to be perceived? Am I going to be somebody less than worthy? Mm-hmm. How did you overcome that yourself? And, and how transparent did you find other people? Did you find that, that what I'm talking about? Did you find that, experience that? Because again, I, I, you mentioned honesty. It's so important for a coach and an athlete to have an honest relationship with each other. And there are times when it's when when an athlete can say, if, I, if I'm completely honest, it's going to be detrimental to me because my coach is going to think something that that is really not the case. Mm-hmm. Hey, that dives into so many different ways. We'll take it where you want to take it, man. Go, go for it. Um, number one, the only way that you give and receive honesty is through trust, right? And so it has to be a practice. There has to be an intentionality of, okay, I really want to develop this relationship with you. And so therefore we have to practice it over and over. It needs to be a daily thing in order for when you do feel poorly that you can have that level with your coach to say, coach, I'm not bringing it today. Coach, I have the sniffles. Coach, I'm, I'm not here mentally. I'm having some issues um, because otherwise they won't say it. They're not, they're not going to tell you. They're going to tell you that they got their bell rung or that they're seeing stars or whatever. Well, the is. thing is, you're supposed to be a warrior, right? I mean, you're supposed to, you know, listen, man, we need you. We, you got to go make a play or you've got to go do this, man. We, we've got to have you. And, and Jason, I didn't mean to interrupt, but man, what you're saying is so, so good because whether you're in business, whether you're in sales, a lot of times you can feel that pressure like, man, I'm not here completely my mind is somewhere else my body is not great but if i don't show up today somebody else is going to and they could take my spot or you know somebody's got to step in and you're almost afraid of getting and i'm going to use a really old baseball term you're almost afraid of getting wally pipped wally pipp took himself out of the new york yankees lineup in 1925 he had a headache the backup, a guy named Lou Gehrig, stepped in and played 2,130 consecutive games after that. And so there, I'm sure there's something in the back of everybody's mind. Like, if I don't step up and do this, somebody else is going to take it over. Then what's going to happen to me? And, and, and so go, go from there if you don't mind. I, I, yeah, I want to yeah. get your thoughts yeah. on that. Beautiful. Um, number one, I think that that's also a consistency, consistency thing. It's not just like that didn't just happen. Okay, so Wally Pipp didn't, that wasn't just a one-time thing. And Lou Gehrig was preparing and working his tail off so that he would be prepared and ready for his opportunity. A lot of people expect the opportunity, but then aren't ready. Lou was, okay? But then let's also look at Wally Pipp's um, performance in the past leading up to that. So it was not just a one-time thing. There are some instances of luck let's say uh tom brady comes in because drew bledsoe got hurt right beautiful that, example you yeah know, that that's what's going to happen but tom brady was ready okay drew bledsoe still had an amazing career like we're not we're never going to second guess the career that drew bledsoe had okay and it was just one of those things that that instance is different than lou gehrig and wally pitt and you know okay? something here's something i love what i love that analogy i love that analogy 
The thing that makes that that analogy so beautiful, Jason, is how Drew Bledsoe supported Tom Brady in 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 when when the opportunity came to him. Bledsoe wanted to play. Bledsoe had just signed a hundred million dollar extension with the Patriots. He was the franchise quarterback. Yeah. And then he gets rocked. I mean, he he you know, I was watching the man in the arena that the first episode. And Bledsoe is going to the hospital, and he's he is seriously injured. Like, it was a little touch and go there for mm-hmm. a bit with him and his health. But he comes back. They get to the Super Bowl. Belichick makes the decision. Bill Belichick, the head coach of the Patriots, makes the decision to start Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And Bledsoe wants to play in a Super Bowl, yeah. but he still supports Tom Brady. He still helps him get prepared. He still takes him through stuff. To me, what you don't see about that, and and again, thank you for bringing that up. That's a beautiful example. What you don't see is the guy behind the scenes whose job got taken, who had character and, and was honest enough with himself to say, this is best for the team if I get this guy ready to go and do what, and, and they still have a close relationship to this day. I mean, he, he talks about, it. he said, I, I love Tom. He calls him Tommy. He said, I love Tommy. He, you know, I, I love him. And, and Brady talks about his closeness with, with Drew Bledsoe. So how do we get, let me, let me shift gears on you and forgive me for shifting gears. I just, I love where our conversation's going. Cause there's so many layers to it as a coach. How can, how can, or as a leader, how can you prepare people to put themselves in that situation to where if something happens and somebody has to step up and somebody has to step back, how do you keep everybody on the same page? Because we may be talking to some salespeople out there, some entrepreneurs that say, I need to step somebody in my company back to step somebody forward but I don't want to lose that person. I have to step back. I want to coach them. I need to re-coach them, refocus them, retrain them to get them back to that level. How do we do that and keep everybody on course and on level? Right. Well, uh, two things. So you're looking at mission is the focus. People is the purpose, right? So if mission is the focus, then the entire team has got to know that we're talking about the mission of this is X. We've got to get to X. And right now, such and such person isn't bringing it or they're missing certain ingredients. And so a lot of times people will put, you know, put the emphasis on how could you not have done that? You know, so you're looking at Wally Pip and you're going, dude, I can't believe you did that. Blah, blah, blah. It's all your fault. But as leaders and as intentional encouragers, it's our fault. It's my fault as a leader for not giving you the tools, for not giving you the resources, for not giving you the time, for not giving you the part of me from a relationship piece to get you to where I need you to go. Okay, so now what we have to do is we have to examine that piece separately while preparing and getting this next person to step up. So what do I need them? What are three things I need them to know to excel at, to perform at their best level at this current position that we are putting them in. 
okay? And we're gonna get the same exact results if we move this person up, if we don't do what's needed to be done from our spot, our position as a leader. Man, that is so good. Let's step aside, take a quick break. We come back, I wanna talk about the Healthy Leader Initiative because as you go into 2022, and as as you're you're listening to this, it's the start of 2022. You're getting your goals aligned. You're you're finding your mission. You're finding your vision. Your purpose. Being a healthy leader needs to be a part of that. We're going to talk to Jason about that. My my guest is coach, author Jason Fry, joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car, whatever it is you want to do financially in the coming year. Let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for Profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement. And you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Jason, let's dive into the healthy leader concept, okay? Because I think that's a beautiful concept because... Let's face it, if you're not a healthy leader, you know, in, in, in the past week or so, I've been getting over a cold flu and didn't have COVID, but I'm getting over stuff. I'm getting my body healthy again. Had I gone around my family and breathed in their faces, we'd all be sick. And that's what happens a lot of times is when you're carrying something toxic, within you and you breathe that out into the atmosphere into the culture of your company or the culture of your team you start to infect people around you and everybody starts to get sick it's how a lot of things have spread talk about where the healthy leader concept for you came from you you touched on it a, a couple of minutes ago about being becoming a better dad and things like that where did it really originate with you and what's the, the most important thing about being a healthy leader? Oh, well, I'd love, I want to touch on one thing that you just said before we dive in. Yeah, go for it. Um, one of the things that we've got to make sure as a business, as a company, as a manager, as a leader, as CEO, is the number one thing that's toxic to all companies and teams is gossip. Okay, so what we've got to do, no matter what, if you have toxicity inside of your body and you're talking about spewing it out in, inside of the workplace, when you have that, 
that kills anything. It's like cancer. It just attacks from the inside, right? So what we want to do is we, we've got to eliminate that one thing and just say, hey, look, man, the, he's not here to back it up. I also don't give him enough grace to go, to go, hey, there has to be some understanding of where they're coming from that yeah. I don't know. And so if we gossip, then we're eliminating those two things. So that would be my focus. That's our number one thing is just, hey, we're going to get rid of gossip. In terms of healthy leader, um, man, that started just because it really did. I wanted to be a better dad. I had a 15-year-old, and it's just like we're putting heads all the time. And I was like, I do not want this. So I, I ended up doing something that I had been stressing with some other clients was just that um, when you go into a conversation, like before you and I get on here, I'm going, what do I want out of this conversation? And so if I can do that with my kid and go, I don't want to argue. I don't want to be upset. I want you to see the Jesus inside of me. And so if I can do that, then whatever we're going to do is going to be really, really good. So it just helps kind of shift my framework and my mindset of what do I end up wanting to get? Well, the healthy leader is one of those things of if we can manage stress, everything in life is stress. It's good stress. It's bad stress. It's evil stress. It's unhealthy stress. It's healthy stress. So everything is, it's just our way of managing that. So if you could do the breath work, if you can do the exercise, if you can do the reading, and if you can do the reflection, then all aspects of your life, because you are a leader, I don't care what anybody says, you have an ability to be healthier. You have an ability to make better decisions and faster. So if we can make those by being healthier as a result of these core four, um, then we've got a chance at really leading others and then having that kind of passed on uh, to them. I'm a firm believer, and I love what you said there about having a conversation with a teenager because I raised a teenage son. I found at times in that, in that wheelhouse you're talking about that 13 to 17, 18 year old wheelhouse. Those were some of the most difficult conversations that I, I had with my son because he in, 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 and I'll just, I'll share this with the audience from, from our perspective for him, he always wanted to know the why it's like, Hey, you're telling me this, but I got to know the why I got to know the why. And, and what it did for me, and I don't know what it did in, and, 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 you know, I, I want to find out what it did for you. What it did for me was I was like, okay, if I tell you the why I'm going to need you to do the what, cause that's really what I need to, and, and I had to tell him my why from my perspective, like, look, man, if I ask you to execute something, here's why, but you got to trust me in the moment that there's a reason I'm asking you to do it. I may not have 10 minutes to explain why I'm asking you to do this. And in life, you may get asked to do something and somebody that's asking you to do it may not have 10 minutes to explain their why you have to trust them that their why is, is good. And they can come back to you later and go, okay, here's why I had to ask you to do that. And, and again, I, I, I think a lot of people that we manage, that we lead, that we coach in the back of their mind, they're going, why, why is coach asking me to do this? You know, I, I know I did when I played sports, 
Like, why is coach asking me to do why, – why as a pitcher do I have to run after every practice? Well, it's because I'm going to need my legs late in the game to take stress off my arm. And so when I became a baseball coach years later, we talked to our pitchers. We were like, this is why you run. You take you, – you, you bend with your legs. You take stress off your arm. And so, yeah, for you, Jason, what did those conversations produce for you that were V8 moments, right? I mean, because we all have them. Especially, like you said, if you raise sons, you're going to have some of those V8 moments because you're going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be like button head sometimes. What did those produce for you that were real V8 moments for you? Oh, man. I think that what did they produce? They produced a chance at my kid going to the mountains with me, right? So it, it produced an ability to at least take a step forward in terms of the relationship. Um, it allowed me to see that it's more important to really give the why and to not so much focus on the how. I think too often we say that it has to be this. Like as a basketball shooting coach, you're sitting there going, okay, well, it's got to be at the elbow, and then you've got to make sure that you stay firm 10 toes to the rim, right? So that's what most coaches would say in terms of shooting. But Steph Curry doesn't do that. Steph Curry's an outlier, right? And a lot of people do it a different way. So we need to be more focused on, hey, this is the why. So we want to just make sure that we're tall on our shot. We're finishing with our finger in the rim. We're doing this piece. And I don't care so much that your elbow's out a little bit. Okay? Because you're still making certain shots. You're still doing certain things. So uh, I think that it's more along the starting with the why, giving them this why piece. And then you have the ability to go, okay, let's rep it over and over Yes. So that the what or the what gets accomplished and not so worried about the how. And so I think that that was kind of a, that was a big uh, aha, give me that aha experience and that aha moment as a dad to be able to go to realize that um, I was spending too much on the what, way too much on the what with my kid. And so if I could do that and then eliminate the what piece, then we can get further and further into this relationship. I love what you said there. There is so much good stuff to unpack for a leader, for an entrepreneur, because a lot of times we we are focused on the what, right? You know, even even coaches, you know, and, and let's go back there for a second. And I don't, folks, I don't mean to be sports heavy. There's just a lot of correlation here. Yes. The what a lot of times is what you see in front of you, right? So if you're on the sidelines coaching, I'm watching and I call, you know, I, if I'm coaching and I call a play, this is what I see us doing. If we are successfully executing, if everybody is in the right spots and, and we're moving the ball the way we should be moving the ball, then this guy who's probably our best shooter is going to be open for the right shot at the right time. Or we've seen something in the way they're playing the last couple trips down the floor. Maybe they're trying to take away that shooter and they're leaving the inside open. If we call that play and we do what we're supposed to do, we're going to get an easy bucket. The problem is a lot of times is that people on our team don't see what we see. 
and and, and a lot of times it's it, it's trying to get them to see what we see as a coach. How are you coach? How do you coach coaches to help their team see what they see? Beautiful. Um, I think uh, probably the most important thing, and it's actually the thing that we start with at the very beginning, and it's communication. Okay, so a lot of times that we're just focused on trying to get there. Like it's put the ball in the hole, it's cross the end line, cross the pylon. You know, it's those types of things. And so it just becomes a, I need you to be able to do this to accomplish what I would like to see so that we can actually get an idea. Because when a coach makes a play, they're seeing just how the defense is defending it. So then they know what things to look for. And so if you have concise communication, so if there's something to where, like, there's no question, there's no gray area, it's super simple. My kids know that we are doing this. And so all it becomes is it makes everything the second guessing of what do I do now? I'm not real sure what I do. It, it eliminates gray areas. And so the first thing I would say is get your terminology and get your communication all on one page to where everybody, like in the military, they use uh, their shoot, move, and communicate. They are super specific in terms of this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is how we verbalize it. And then everybody else does it. And so there's never a question. Because in the heat of stress, you don't need extra questions. In the heat of stress, you don't need extra decisions that you have to make. So the, the less decisions you have to make are better. So by doing that, by getting your communication down, it's just less decisions being made so that you have more energy for the decisions that you have to make. Man, I love that. That is so good. And and, and that's the thing too is, is the team doesn't see in a, in a company. A lot of times the team doesn't see what the leader sees in the marketplace, right? And so it's getting everybody on the same page to go when the market reacts like this, we react like this. When the defense in, in, in I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. I'll say this real quick and we'll get to a break. They were talking to Joe Burrow, the quarterback, second year quarterback. And they were talking about something in the game and he goes, I throw it where the defense tells me to throw it. You know, yeah, I want to get every guy involved. I want to make sure Jamar Chase gets his touches, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzama, Joe Mixon, all the weapons he has. Because they were asking, why don't you get this guy more involved? Why don't you get this guy more involved? And he says, look, as I've said before, I throw it where the defense tells me to throw it. If I try to force it into different places, you're going to ask me why I'm forcing it into different places. I throw it where the defense tells me to throw it. And so I I think a lot of times our teams need to understand that when we're making decisions, it's, it's a reaction to the marketplace. It's a reaction to what we're seeing around us instead of, well, we're just going to put it out because a lot of companies have done that. A lot of companies will just force it out there and nothing good happens when you force those things out there. Let's step aside, take another break. When we come back, I want to save room to tell Jason's story. I think you're going to love this. I think you're going to love where this conversation goes. It's already been a great conversation, but come back for more of it. My guest, author, coach, hashtag healthy leader, 
Jason Fry joins me on the Intentional Encourage podcast back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I want to take a moment and tell you about my friend Harry Spate and his new book, Selling with Dignity. Harry has taken an age-old concept of sales and he's put a new twist to it and I love the direction that he's taken with Selling with Dignity. And here's what's encouraging about Harry's book. Instead of viewing people as numbers and machines, salespeople are now given the tools and the encouragement to be dignified in their approach. Here's what Harry says. He says, selling is an honorable profession when it's done right. When sellers feel Feel they are valuable and have integrity and respect. This opens the door for better conversations and eventually relationship. This book puts an end to sleazy sales tactics and proves why selling with dignity can be done and it leads to massive success. And I couldn't agree more. Go to sellingwithdignity.com, get your copy today. And if you want Harry to sign it, he'll do that for you. Again, go to sellingwithdignity.com and pick up your copy today of the new book by Harry Spate, Selling with Dignity. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional encourage your podcast. Jason, let's go in and dive and tell your story. And that's why I wanted to save the kind of room that we did, because I want to make sure that we get room to tell your story. Take me as far back as you want to go and just share the story of your life, some obstacles that you've overcome and things like that. And, and I'll jump in with some questions around that, but uh, man, just take this room in liberty to share your story. Oh, beautiful. Uh, born and raised Austin, Texas, man. So I'm a Texas boy through and through. I'm probably more of a mama's boy through and through than Texas boy. Um, but currently living in St. Louis, um, I've been blessed with uh, probably an entrepreneur's mindset since day one, you know, since the early womb. Uh, coming out as a twin, uh, I grew up, my mom and dad ended up splitting when we were about three and, um, mom showed me what a, what a leader looks like from a servant standpoint. She showed us, you know, she basically, she's the next in line of Jesus. In my opinion, um, she serves everybody else and never talks about herself. She never thinks about herself. Um, maybe she does, but she just doesn't appear that way. Um, dad started a, a child placing agency that went on for quite a long time and actually competed against the state of Texas. So you have the state of Texas um, child placing foster kids. And then you also have, you know, the small, small people and which was him, the mom and pop, so to speak, of, of child placing. And they said it wasn't going to last. Well, he lasts 25 something years. That is something that that I always saw. So this this plug, this, this grind of, I've got to, I'm going to do this even against the odds was something that I saw from him. And so, um, as we got older, I always learned from other people that were business owners, that were entrepreneurs, that were in corporate. So I got a really great sense of these two. And so my goal as I get older is to constantly try to blend what an entrepreneur is and then what a servant leader looks like. So if I can combine those two, then I'm doing what probably what my purpose and my passion is. Um, and so the other thing that I really want to add on to this is just the fact of purpose changes. And I don't think enough schools and universities, I don't think enough parents want to add this, this piece to it is that 
your no matter what, your purpose will not be your 80 year lifestyle. Yeah. It's not going to last that long. It That's won't right. last like it barely lasts 20 years for some people who are trying to retire or get jobs. So it's one of those things that I am now a hundred percent eyes wide open to this idea that, you know, God's going to call me to something and I'm going to bust my tail to accomplish that. And then I also recognize that he might shift. Like my, we, I might pivot which I have done numerous times. So I went from uh, going to college to be a preacher and then coming out of college being a strength and conditioning coach and also started coaching basketball. Um, and then I went into building the own business or, or helping work and build up Pure Sweat to where then it became a skill development company slash I was also still coaching. Um, and then I shifted again and it went pivoted to coaching coaches because I felt like my calling is something that's going to be just a little bit bigger than maybe somebody else. And my calling is if I can focus on the coach, I can grow their people, their ripple effect. Um, and so, so now that makes my ripple effect just that much bigger. And I think, and it's the same thing when we're working with educators and the education system, if I can inspire a teacher, then I can inspire the, everybody that that teacher teaches. Yeah. Instead of focusing just on 10 kids in the gym, 20 kids in the gym, heck, even 50 in an auditorium, it like I don't want that impact. I want who leads them because now that ripple is yeah. even bigger and bigger. Jason, um, I, I, let me jump in here. Yeah. I, I've got to ask you, you mentioned coaching coaches. You have talked about even though your parents split up when you were a kid, you you and your twin brother. The, their impact individually was great instead of their impact collectively, right? Because, you know, you, you could, you know, you weren't in a nuclear home, so to speak, mom and dad together, their impact on you was, was separate, but, but both seemingly to be profound. How did your parents coach or influence you growing up and what were what were a couple of the greatest lessons you mentioned persistence from your dad you mentioned your mom me being next to jesus that's a good my that's a good texas mama's boy right there you know but but were there a couple of coaching lessons that your parents either taught you or showed you that are helping you today to coach coaches yeah um you know what like I think the biggest one, just having a servant's heart. When you focus on the other person, both of you benefit. Okay? So the, when you focus on serving and making this other person better, not only do they grow and have a chance at making a bigger impact in this world, but you grow as well. And you learn different things. You learn how to speak to people. Like, and it's, because, it's probably because of both. Like, it's both of them. They are both such a fundamental piece to my development and my growth. She was a quiet servant leader. Like that's what a great leader to me is a great leader. A great coach makes the team look outstanding and people focus on the players. A great coach makes a great leader, a great manager makes your team look so friggin' good. And yet you look like you just have a team full of all-stars. That's what a great leader does. 
And so I think that seeing, having a piece of my mom do that to me was probably one of the best things. And so I've always been one of those guys who I am so focused on the light being on others. I don't need the light on me. Okay. Cause my job is to provide a spark. That's it. Okay. It is not my job to win somebody over to Jesus. It is not my job to do anything. It is my job to just light, just spark, right? So just spark the torch yeah. so that you can carry it, so that you can actually light the sucker and then go forth and do what you are called to do, okay? Because I recognize that it's not Jesus calls whoever he wants. Right. Jesus is going to get who he wants on his team and all my job is to do is to provide some type of spark, right? But I also recognize that through my dad and through both my mom is that a spark is what? A spark causes friction. Yep. So friction has to occur. Well, what's friction? People don't like friction. Friction is that discomfort. Friction is that hurdle. It's that struggle. Um, and so being in the family at which I did growing up, I saw plenty of struggle. Yeah. I either saw it from our family instance or watching my dad with the foster kids and hearing those stories. We've all heard those terrible stories. Well, they're true. They've happened. So I've gotten a chance to see it both from other people's perspectives, as well as, you know, my mom's struggling because she's got, she's got three kids. She has two twins and an 18 and my sister was 18 months older. So we're talking three kids in diapers. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, the struggle was entirely real. But I've also had the perspective of seeing it from other people as well. And so it's my goal to help kind of people navigate that uncertainty and how they could question things and how they could learn from things. And so it, it really has been both of them that, that taught me those lessons. Take me through the greatest obstacle that you faced in your life. And, and what was the lesson that you took from it? Because, I, I, I you know, everybody's story is different. Some people have gone through a multitude of obstacles. Some people have had very few. Take me through one of your greatest obstacles and the lesson you learned from it. Man, uh, I probably didn't learn the lesson till later. So that's the hard part. Um, I always wanted, I wanted to be a leader. So when I was in college, I, I just wanted to be the captain. And I thought, you know, if I earned the captain job, then that would be good enough. And now I'm the captain of the team and blah, blah, blah. This is, this is how great life is, is, is if I'm the captain, right? Um, but I didn't know that I was a poor leader. I wanted to be a, a great leader. I wanted, I thought I was because I was getting shots up. I was getting reps up, but I allowed other things to infiltrate that to where, you know, the honesty, I did, there were just things I didn't know, right? So we don't know what we don't know. And I thought I was a good leader. And that wasn't the case. Okay. So I, I didn't allow discomfort to move me. I allowed discomfort to keep me down and I allowed discomfort to, to keep us down. Or I, I allowed gossip. That was, you know, like that was the whole reason of starting with, with gossip is that that was the most important thing. Like if I talk bad about coach, guess what happens? That just feeds more negative energy. And then every time coach somebody says something, you question it. So if you're not on the page at which you need to be on with coach, the relationship piece, it's not going to work. And, and so, it's always going to get back to coach. Yeah. It always finds a way of getting back to coach. And now you've, you've really placed that, that negativity piece in, in front of you. Yes. 
Yeah. And so that, and to be, to be honest, that was my, the biggest hurdle that I just didn't learn until later on, until the more books I read, until the more interviews I had with coaches and CEOs. Um, the more I learned, the more I was like, gosh, I let my team down. You know, I, I let everybody I led down. And it's something that I don't want to do anymore. Yeah. And it's something I want to pass on to others and make sure that that's the case at which if you want to be the best, if you want to be on the best teams, if you want to be uh, the best leader you could be, then then I want I want to help you navigate that. Dude, that is so good. That is so good. Share with this audience, and it's the last question that I typically ask, but share with this audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Man, the biggest piece of the intentional encouragement is just like our mountain leadership experience, right? There is a mountain but it's not the only mountain. So you are going to have these struggles. You're gonna have these little wins. You're gonna have these, these moments at which you gotta get on all fours and you gotta go super slow, but you're still moving forward. You gotta go to where, you know what, uh, that path looks like it's right, but you know what, maybe it's super slippery and I gotta go a different way. Maybe I have to go down and, and around in order to come back at a different point to, to get to a different position. Um, I want others to know that everything in life is truly like this mountain, okay? And then it's the entire process of getting, um, I will tell you this, that there is not, it's not in all that enjoyable. You know, I'm a guy, I climb mountains for a, for basically a living in the summers where I don't like heights. I don't like them. Yeah. But I'm over here at the top of a 14,000 foot mountain. And the reason why I do that is because of the process at which it does to me when I get to the top. And it's only as a result of the process of climbing the mountain, the struggles, um, the people that are with me side by side who, who share the struggle with one another. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing is, A, finding people who can share the struggle with you. And then the other thing is just trying to go piece by piece up this mountain. And when you, excuse me, and when you get to the top, you get to see this amazing view and then you go down and then you share this experience with other people. So you share your experience of how you became better, the process at which you came better. You share that experience with others and either make them better or you move on to the next mountain. Like there's always yeah. going to be a mountain that we're going to climb. There's yeah. always going to be struggle, but it's how do I handle the struggle? And, and I love what you said there, man. I, I remember going in May to Pikes Peak, Colorado. Yep. I don't remember much driving up the mountain. I'll never forget being as high. We were at almost 14,000 feet. That was as high as we could go that day because higher was still snow covered and things like that. Mm -hmm. Even that time of year. I don't remember much about the drive up. I don't remember much about the drive down. I'll never forget the feeling of being up there, how awestruck I was being up there. So I love the way you, you put that, the, you know, people, people tend to, to not remember the climb up and the climb down. They always remember the view. And I love that. So, so very well put Jason, yeah. tell folks how they can connect with you, get your resources. If they want to reach out and have you, coach their team how can they get in touch with you and 
and connect with you on your social media platforms. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And you kickstarted it off. And um, before I want to end on just this last piece of what you you said, people people love and don't ever forget the mountain, the view, but they have to get there first. And so we can't neglect any type of thing. Like that's my journey. I've got to get up to see that view. Um, and so I think that it's just a reminder. Hey, look, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're battling, you're going to get to the view and you're going to understand it. And it just, there's no timetable on it. So yeah. you might be on that mountain for 20 years, but that's okay. You, but you're going to get to the top. We are going to get to the top. And then we're going to have that view and we're going to have that feeling that, that goes inside of our soul. And that was the whole reason why I did end up deciding to do those mountain experiences was what God placed inside of my soul when I felt at the top. Um, where you can uh, connect with me, guys, Jason at CoachJFry.com. That is my email. I will respond. I will respond. I will respond as quickly as possible. Um, please, that's my personal email. So uh, please send it, send it to me. Um, I don't have bots. I don't have an assistant. It's just me. So I'm, I'm going to get to you. Uh, everything, we try to keep everything as consistent as possible. Instagram is Coach J Fry. And then Twitter is also Coach J Fry. I'm on LinkedIn as well. So that's Coach J Fry. So um, I, we try to keep it as simple as possible. So wherever you, uh, I'm not on TikTok. So uh, don't go me there. Me neither, brother. Um, me neither. <laughs> hey, I, I know I probably should, but uh, you know what? Uh, we're going to stay focused on on going up some mountains. And those are my avenues at which we're going to do it. So I'm too old to be on TikTok, man. I might break a hip dude, trying to do some kind of funky dance or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. Everybody complains about being an athlete about their knees, but man, if I if I do TikTok, my hips are going to go out. Yeah, so, you got that okay. right, man. Jason Fry, yeah, Jason Fry. What a tremendous conversation this has been. I am grateful, appreciative to you. Big shout out to our mutual buddy Marsh Bice for connecting us, and. Uh, Man, what a, what a great conversation it's been. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.